Hello, I'm Mike Hibbert from Into the Gamescape, and you're listening to the Happy Happy Board Game Loving, the daily star of gaming podcasts. Afternoon, and just when you thought I'd forgotten all about you guys, I'm back. Yes, it's Hamster of Fury, Luke Morris here with the the eighth episode of the Happy Happy Board Game Loving. Hooray! Woo! Happy days for all. It's sunny outside. Summer has finally come to the UK in uh, August, so it's nearly autumn and nearly winter. But that's okay. We're used to in the UK. We're used to to ten days of summer, and by my reckoning, we're on about our eighth. So uh, by next week, it'll be raining and dull again, just like uh, the old Victorian days, or a bit of a Sherlock Holmes wandering around in London with the mist falling, munching on a cucumber sandwich, with the crackling sounds of his radio as he bumps into the Queen on the street corner. Anyway, enough with uh, classical stereotypes. And on with this show, it's uh, great that you could join me and have actually bothered tuning in. Very nice of you, thank you very much. Before I get on with things, a bit of housekeeping. Um, That intro music, not the Mike Hibbert bit, of course, but the bit after it. My theme song, as it were, is uh, by Five Star Four, and it's called What Planet Are We On? Um, It's available for free download and use in such podcasts, but you can't use it because I am... And that would show a lack of originality on your part. So don't do it. Anyway, uh, this afternoon I'm going to go into a few usual segments and introduce a new segment to you all. But I'll keep shh, I'll keep a bit quiet on that today. Um, we've got the Slug of the Week, as usual. We've got uh, the Buddha of gaming. We've got the game that I gave a second chance to. We've got something that should be a game. You know, it should be a game. Let's stroke our chins for a minute and think, hmm, it should be a game, you know. Um, there's my special feature about this week, which is which is a follow-up to conventions again. Uh, those of you that have been listening since the start, which is whoa, a whole eight episodes now, um, would have known I did a, a mid-con survival guide for last year, the end of last year. Well, this I'm going to... Uh, the cast of Dice in Stoke next week, so I thought I would do another convention special, and this one is how to look smart and intelligent. We're not talking uh, dress-wise, although of course it's nice to look smart at a convention with a with a fine suit and tie combo. Um, I always do, and I, I sincerely hope more of you will join me in smart clothing at conventions. But it's how to look intelligent. And we're not just talking bushy beard and glasses, although that is a fine way of looking intelligent, and I, I try it out with my beard at least. But how to come across to others that you are truly a gaming connoisseur, an intelligent man or lady. Of course, ladies, you probably shouldn't try and grow a beard for conventions, but, you know, anything to help you make you look more intelligent. You know, I'm all for that. Um, anyway, I don't know if you can hear in the background uh, the sound of female voices, but 
the Happy Happy Board Game Love in today is coming from the Playboy Mansion. Uh, my good friend Hugh Hefner, the Hef, as I like to call him, um, has invited me along, and I'm sitting here in a very comfortable chair with a with a pipe in hand. Good old pipes. We like pipes um, in America, and uh, nice pipe in hand. And this um, bunny girls, as far as the eye can see. Once you've seen one or two, it gets boring, quite frankly. But if they keep bringing me drinks and uh, and snacks, what can I do? I've got to be polite. I've got to say thank you. Um, and ah, oh, I have. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I'm loving it here. It's nice, nice weather here in America. Not as nice as the UK, though, so I've heard. Um, so anyway, I'm sure I'll try and keep my mind on the podcast. After all, you guys are more important to me than anything here in this mansion. So I guess uh, after this rather long and rambling intro, I guess we should probably get on with the show. It's all gone, Pete Tong, you slag. Yes, F, that is how English people speak. Um, after a few points, I'm as rough and ready as any London Cockney type. You know what I mean? Nice one. Anyway, this uh, segment of the show is looking at a game that is my slag of the week. This um, isn't always the worst game I've ever played, it might be an experience I have with the game, but basically it's a negative moment. In my happy board gaming life I do have a few negative moments and uh, quite often these games are games that I really don't like. Sometimes they're games that, while I like, I may have had an experience I'm not too chuffed about. Um, This is a game that I've played a couple of times now and the first time I've, I've liked it, and it is, it's a good fun light little game, big fan of it, happy days. Um, the other day, last Saturday in fact, myself and my uh, gaming friend Richard, we put on a, a gaming day he, uh, in Birmingham, back home, across the pond, and uh, I guess we kind of titled it the Board Gaming Loving Day, or the Happy Happy Board Games Day, or something, I don't know, the name wasn't important. It will be when we get in 20,000 people, um, week in, week out to it, but until then, it doesn't really matter. Um, 22 people came, thank you very much, all those that came from um, different directions around the Midland area, thank you very much. And uh, I got to play some good games. I might uh, dip in more on it later on in the show, but for now, I'm going to pick up the one game of the day that was a bit of a slag. Now, like I said, I like this game. It's a fine game, now if you excuse me, in, uh, in time honoured suddenly realising I haven't prepared myself for style, I'm a uh, Popping into BoardGameGeek.com, a fine source of board gaming information. Once again, BoardGameGeek.com. You don't have to be a geek to use it, but I guess it helps. Um, anyway, the game that day was um, Six Nymphs or Category 5 by Wolfgang Kramer, published by a plethora, a myriad of, uh, of publishers. It's a card game, it doesn't take very long, it can play up to ten players. We played it with seven, I believe. And the idea is you get some cards in, they've got different numbers, and uh, you, you play your cards with some semblance of uh, skill, in inverted commas, skill. I, uh, it appears that I just played completely randomly for some strange reason, um, thinking that I was doing the best thing, but obviously I wasn't. And you, uh, everyone turns their cards up at the same time, and then you put the cards in numer- numerological order um, 
in different lines and if your card is the sixth card in a certain line you win all the points in that line which is a bad thing because you want to get as close to zero points as possible now like I said I like the game the time I played it before it was a uh, I, I didn't win, I don't think I'll ever win this game, it's not my kind of game to win because of course it is a luck game and uh, I only really thrill people and come to my fore in games with deep strategy and a lot of thinking of course um, those people that know me would know that I'm, I'm a splendid games player when it comes to games of high strategy yeah okay um, anyway this certain time I, the first couple of rounds were okay, I was kind of there or thereabouts and then uh, Sod's Law kicked in or um, Murphy's Law as it's also known it basically if something can go wrong it does go wrong and time after time I was doing what I thought was the right thing and oh people were laying the wrong card it was so frustrating oh, I went from like second place to last in two rounds and had to pick up about 13,000 points oh yeah. so uh, I went into a bit of self-pitying mode there and uh, and while I found it all very amusing inwardly I was crying my eyes out um, interesting that every time for example the um, let's say if you're the sixth person in the line you have to pick the card up so say the fourth card in the line in a certain line was uh, 23 everything's numbered from 1 to 104 some cards aren't used some cards aren't dealt out so there's a chance that certain cards won't turn up so for example 102 will come out and I had uh, 104 or say for example it was the third card in the line and uh, the card was uh, 22 and so I thought okay it's very likely someone will play 23 and 24 two people will have both those cards and haven't played them yet and it's not in the deck so I'll play my 25 and that should that should keep me safe so I played my 25 in a foolish manner and uh, the cards be turned out and of course someone's played 23 someone's played 24 and I'm stuck with about 30 points and it's all gone horribly wrong so uh, while the game is very good and this game was fun Sods Law kicked in big time as it does people we know this don't we yes it kicks in from time to time not with me if Sods has kicked in on a game with you yes I can see us all nodding. That's fantastic. Anyway, it did. And so, for that very single reason, for a good, entertaining game, Six Nymphs, I salute you as my slag of the week. Anyway, that is enough negativity from me as a bus goes past the Playboy Mansion very unrealistically um, that's enough negativity for me it's time for a positive slant on things after all this is the happy board game love in and therefore on with my wonderful new segment <laughs> it's the discovery of the week okay for the uh, for those of you that still have the power of hearing after that I'm sorry I just listened back and that's pretty loud I do apologise uh, this is the new segment it is the discovery of the week or to give it its full name ooh the discovery of the week in fact I shall open this up to you guys if any of you would like to uh, re-record that little intro ooh discovery of the week make it sound as as much like Mr Humphreys from Are You Being Served or all a bit saucy in a carry-on manner something with with a classical sort of 60s bit of um, 
fun and entertainment then uh, that would be fantastic email me the sound clip at uh, hamster of fury that's all one word there's no p in hamster oh I hate people that use a p in hamster there's no p in hamster it's hamster of fury at hotmail.com send me your clip of, of you going ooh discovery of the week but not quite as loud as my version there and uh, it will be included in the show and uh, I will put your name forward for all those to bow down to your superior um, soundsmanship. Anyway, back on track. Oh, pardon me for that burp. I hope you didn't just hear that. Very rude and unprofessional. Um, this is where I look at a game that I've played in the last week or so. It's my discovery of the week. It's something I've never played before. I've heard a bit of before, but I've taken the plunge and I've played it. And this week was another one that I played at the Games Day. And it's a game that's been around, wait for this ladies and gents, since the old days of 1992. Back then I'd have been a young whiffersnapper in, uh, in short trousers. I'd have been 11. Um, I was 12 at the end of 2002. Yes, so uh, I'd have been at junior school for the first half of the year, secondary school for the second half of the year, I'd have been running around, kicking a football around with my good friends, not a care in the world, and uh, and modern art came out, and I didn't know such things, I wasn't so into games then, um, it would have passed me by completely, over the top of my head, uh, I wouldn't have been interested, because it's about art, and it's about bidding for art. But, you know, I've lucky I didn't play it then. I've played it now, when, when I've got a more open and adult mind to these kind of things. Isn't that right, Hef? Yes. Um, he's giving me a thumbs up over there. Um, this is a game that is um, primarily an auction game. Uh, it has uh, numerous different types of auctions in, which is part of the game. And uh, I'm going to whisper this very carefully, but it's an auction game in a similar vein to Ra. Not exactly the same, but it is an auction game, after all. And uh, my opinions of auction games do differ greatly. As everyone knows, I hate Ra. I do apologise. Uh, may Ra not smite me down at the mention of his name or something like that, but I'm um, not a big fan. There's other auction games I quite appreciate. I like Hollywood Blockbuster, the game we played on that day, which um, I just prefer the theme and I prefer the way the bidding's done. And modern art as well, I, I'm going to give it away now. I do like it. That's what's in this segment, the discovery of the week. Um, it's designed by, by the lad himself, Rainer Knizia. Uh, the version I played was published by Mayfair Games, but it's also been published by Hans Im Gluck and some other other folk also. It plays 3 to 5. We played with 4. Uh, it's about 3 quarters of an hour long. And uh, basically the idea is you'll all get dealt cards which have different art from five different artists. Um, in turn, you lay a card down for for people to bid on to to buy that piece of art. Um, but there's different auctions to the game. So there's one where um, the person to the left of the person who plays the art will make a bid, and everyone else gets one vote to up it. Whoever um, pays the most bids the most, pays the money to the person that's selling the painting. If it's the person that's selling the painting that buys it, their money goes into the bank, so they don't just get it for free. Um, so that's one auction. There's the blind auction where everyone puts how much they're willing to bid in their hand, and then one, two, three, you open your hand up, and uh, the person who's bid the most wins it. There's um, just the standard auction where everyone just keeps bidding over each other until everyone's has stopped bidding apart from one. And uh, there's one where the seller will state a price that they're willing to sell it for, and the first person to 
agree to that price clockwise um, wins well, wins the chance to buy that piece of art. If not, the person that put it up for sale has to buy it at that price. So uh, there's numerous options which keep the game sort of fresh as you go through, and there is there does seem to be tactics in choosing the auctions. Um, basically, at the end of each turn, when one artist is, um, is about to sell his fifth piece of art, the game automatic the round automatically ends there. Uh, the artist that sold the most art becomes the most valuable and uh, every piece of their art is worth 30. The person who's, sold, who's um, sold the second most piece of art, their art is worth 20 and then the third is worth 10. So for example if I had three of the, uh, the most popular artists for that round I would get 90 back. So hopefully I haven't bid more than 30 for each painting so I'll be making a loss like a fool. But of course if someone's selling their art knowing it's going to be worth 30 and uh, they bid, they ask for 16 for it, someone else is paying them 16 and they're only getting 14 back after paying 16, you know, they're, they're making a profit of 14 while the person that sold it's made a profit of 16, so you know, there seems to be tactics there. Um, in future rounds, basically the value of the art for the top three stays there and then the next round whoever sells the most again is worth 30 then 20 then 10 so if the artist that's worth the most one round is worth 30 um, and the next round it was the second most popular in that round so it's worth another 20 all that art is now worth 50 so immediately as soon as one of their pieces of art comes up it's worth more and that's great and uh, my tactic for the game was to uh, bid as much as possible just rake in the art I uh, I was like the, the Dubai investor of the art world. You know, I, I didn't necessarily have a fine eye for the art, but I wanted lots of it. I wanted a piece of anything that's worth a lot. And so uh, I chucked out the money and I raked paintings in and bought lots of money back in, but not as much profit as possible. I came third. Um, Mike Hibbert, the distinguished Mike Hibbert, um, who smelt a bit after his um, house has been flooded the area around there had been flooded for a couple of weeks before they had no water and no electricity um, so uh, he won he basically didn't do much throughout the whole game until the final round when he very sneakily um, bought a few key paintings he'd sold a lot throughout and I think that's the, the, the aim of the game is to sell wise don't just buy buy crazily like me but sell wisely as well and uh, I like that in the game so uh, for those of you the three of you that have never played Modern Art before, I highly recommend playing it. It's a great game. I went into it thinking, yeah, it might be alright. And I came out thinking, that's a good game. I'll play that again and see what rating I gave it. I gave it an 8, which is which is a good rating as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, jump on board that. Modern Art, it was my <laughs> discovery of the week. Special feature. The special feature. The special feature That's right, I can't hold off anymore. I have to have to launch into the meat of the uh, episode right now at the nineteen minute mark. It is the special feature and it is how to look smart and intelligent at a board game convention. As I said before, I'm going to cast a dice on uh, next Saturday and Sunday I find fine fine board game convention probably my favourite I would say um, of, of the of the number that I've been to it takes place in Stoke and uh, 
it's um, it runs over the Saturday and the Sunday. This is the second year it's been running. Uh, Nick and Sue, who head it up from Shire Games, are brilliant. They're fine hosts. They're great organisers. And if you're in the UK, I heartily recommend you going to it. Check out uh, the Caster Dice on like a Google or whatever, or on Board Game Geek. There's been a lot of banner adverts for it recently, so click on one of them and become part of it. It's good, man. It's great stuff. And you get your Board Game Geek avatar on your badge. How great is that, though? I don't know how they're going to do my avatar. I, I wait with bated breath. Anyway, it's important, as I said, at conventions to look intelligent. Um, if, you, if you sit there going, <laughs> uh, people will uh, avoid you, um, unsurprisingly. But at the same time, you don't want to be snooty um, because people will, um, will shun you as, as a snooty man who they don't want to be any part of. So there needs to be a balance, and the importance is to is to look intelligent but insightful as well. Don't just be um, don't just say stupid things for the sake of it. Your your points need to have weight behind them. And here are ten things ten things to do and ten things to say that will uh, make you appear and sound more intelligent and make you ultimately more desirable, which of course is what we uh, we all want to be in the games uh, sense. After all, we're not here looking for a wife or a husband. Well, perhaps we are after my uh, first convention special last year. Is conventions are good places to pull, but those of you that have already pulled at a convention or not, you want to just look intelligent. And this is how you do it. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I shall begin. Number ten. Number ten. Most importantly, if you're going to convention, wear a fedora. Now, a bowl hat is okay. Us uh, British historically have, have loved a fine bowler to uh, put on our noggin. Uh, the bowler hat's a classy hat. It, it screams businessman. It screams accountant. It screams lawyer. It screams the the jobs that have um, responsibility and um, generally exude intelligence, at least outwardly, if not um, inwardly. Um, so. A bowl hat is fine, but a fedora um, brings a real class and an air of of a, a greater intelligence, something that goes beyond being an accountant. Um, it's it's a classiness, it's a classy intelligence that people respect. If I'm sitting down playing a game and I look over in the distance as my mind wanders from the game, as it so often does, uh, sorry, um, I can point out and go, look, there's a man in a fedora. If I see a man in a fedora, I will hunt him down and I will know that I'll get a fine, intelligent game and conversation out of him or her. A lady in a fedora? Brilliant. So uh, my number 10 is wear a fedora to a gaming conference because boy does it make you look intelligent. Number 9? Nine, 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 nine. Number 9. Uh, so you've been wearing your fedora. Of course people have uh, introduce themselves to you, they've got you to sit down and play a game with them, they really want you to play the game because you're wearing the fedora, and uh, you're sitting there playing a game and you're doing okay, but you're not winning, that's the main thing, you're not winning and that's bad news, um, cause you, you've got to show your intelligence, the intelligence of course means winning at all costs, well, maybe not at all costs, but winning. Um, suddenly someone who's on the table, the person that's winning in fact, uh, sort of raises their hand, uh, stands up and says, oh, I'm sorry guys, I need the loo. I've, uh, I've been drinking alcohol non-stop all day. Um, 
and I've been holding it in as best as I can for the good of the game but I need to get the loop. So um, off they go, you know, everyone's up, fair enough, off you go. As soon as they go, get out of your seat and sit in their seat. Now while you're sitting there in their seat, you see, you're suddenly in the seat of the person that's winning. They can see that your colour piece in front of you represent the colour pieces on the board that are in the victorious position that have the advantage. And you know those people at conferences that um, go from table to table, just look at games, you know, see how it's going, just uh, mingle a bit, chat with the players, whatever. They will come to the table and look down and they will see that you are winning. They'll be impressed, you'll draw admiring gazes, maybe even murmurings and mumblings of how great you are. They'll be very impressed that you are you are the person that's perceived to be winning and uh, the fact that you are very intelligent at games and very good at games will um, spread like wildfire around the conference so by the time the uh, the winner or the sort of the leading player comes back from the loo and you've snuck back to your fourth or fifth positioned seat um, the damage is already done he's a uh, he's seen as just a as just sort of a Johnny come lately whereas you are perceived by all as as the true gaming great that you in fact are so there's number nine if someone pops off to the loo and they're winning just sit in their place for a little while and the table surfers will will be very impressed at you number eight number eight number eight uh, we all get name badges at a conference um, with your name on try rewriting your name badge in Klingon number Seven. Number seven, it's important at a convention to remain mysterious. It's all very well and good being the friendly one, the one that's <laughs> laughing at people's jokes, trying to get on with people in a, in a in a nice friendly manner. And that will get you so far in life. That will uh, that will get you friendship, that will get you people that will um, will happily play games with you because they know they can beat you and you're not there to be to be beaten, you're there to be intelligent and you're there to be seen as winning and people look at you and get an air an, an air of uh, of your greatness within that so to remain mysterious speak only in rhyming couplets for the whole day I'll give you an example if uh, if someone says to you while you're playing samurai for example they'll say uh, it's your turn you can go is it my turn you've got much to learn which is which is an example of course of a rhyming couplet or um, if you're playing a two-player game of Memoir 44, for example, and uh, they've, they've just played their card and they've uh, managed to destroy one of your armies, you can say, You've gone for that army! You must be barmy! And, uh, and such things. It's very clever things. It's very simple. Just make sure things rhyme. And you'll kind of remain kind of mysterious, which is a good air to have, I feel, at uh, gaming conventions and conferences. Number six. Number six, um, a lot of people, and me included, when we're at a, uh, a convention, will uh, take a bit of paper and a pen with them just to jot down which games they've played. It's nice to know which games you've played. Um, sometimes people keep track of scores as well. You know, they're um, in their blog or just for interest or for session reports or reviews on uh, gaming websites. Or if it's just nice to know what you've played and how you've done in the day. You know, part of it is, in fact, most of it is just getting a chance to play games and uh, being with people. But some of it is for people who want to see how they've done. And of course you as, a, as an intelligent character will um, want to go one step further than just seeing how you've done. You need to know, if you for some reason lose, which you perish the thought, 
um, you may lose one, maybe two games over the weekend. Uh, it's important to know how you lost, and so you can, uh, when you get home, you can tear yourself up over it. You can delve into what went wrong. So um, record the games by all means, but also record people's moves so that you can replay them when you get home. So I wouldn't just suggest paper. I would suggest having a um, one of those dictaphones and hold it by a mouse. So, for example, I'm playing with a guy called uh, James, just a name I've drawn at random, and or, or Hugh, of course. Um, I could uh, he can make his move, and I could say Hugh makes a Hugh makes a subpar move into uh, into that certain area. I'm not very impressed with it, but we'll see where it goes. Something like that. Um, Maybe not the best thing for improving friendships, but that's not what you're there for, because you are you're there to look smart, you're there to uh, win. And uh, by recording people's moves at the end, once you've once you've uh, recorded the moves and the game has been finished, you can go home that night, you can get the game out, and uh, you can play through the game, playing people's moves, and see where you went wrong and where you can grow stronger from it. Uh, so yes, record people's games, record their moves on. Dip Dictaphones, they're good moves and they're bad moves. Make sure you comment thoroughly on the moves, and that will help you to become a smarter player and not just appear it. Number five. Number five and four are going to go together a little bit, they can be paired a bit. Um, number five, if you see people playing Lost Cities, um, a couple generally, or two people, very rarely you can play more than two players at Lost Cities. Um, Stand there with your arms folded, and uh, it's important when you're watching a game to have a good comment to make. And this one is a good one that will help you to appear to look smart. You can say, while well, stroking your beard, of course, you've grown specially for the occasion. Hmm. Don't you guys think that Lost Cities has too much theme? Number four. Number four. Um. If, so if a couple of people are playing Twilight Struggle, for example, that fine, fine, fine Cold War game, um, they're deep in, in conflict, um, Castro's just come to power, the space race is hotting up, and uh, someone is struggling over which card to play that won't really um, ruin their chances in Europe. You could stand there stroking your beard again and go, hmm... For me, Twilight Struggle really doesn't have enough theme, does it? Number three. Again, sticking with the uh, game theme, you could, uh, as you wander through the convention, you'll see lots of different games being played. You will see the Euro games. You will see the war game. You'll see train games. You'll see the so-called, and I'm using my... Uh, inverted comma fingers here the uh, Ameritrash games uh, I'll do that again with the fingers even more strongly Ameritrash games um, being played um, you'll see uh, games of werewolf being played, you'll see all different games being played and sometimes games would work better with a different theme, sometimes the mechanic is excellent and the theme maybe is lifted down a little and it's important when you're looking, trying to look intelligent to be able to pick out these games where the, the theme just doesn't quite fit with the with the, um, the way the game is played and with the mechanic. And I think I've come across one that I'm going to share with you now 
that will uh, help you appear very, very intelligent indeed. Um, people will, it'll be like scales are falling from people's eyes and they'll be like, that person is right. That is amazing. And so uh, if there are people playing games of descent, um, the old uh, sort of dungeon based uh, adventure game, go over to the table. Um, there'll be a little crowd watching Jeremy because it's, it's quite a nice looking game. Uh, you could go, hmm, don't you think Descent would have worked better with a Renaissance theme? And you will draw interesting nods from people that, as light dawns in them, will realise you, you indeed are right and you are a forward thinker and have said things that they have not even thought of before. So yes, that's number three. Descent would have worked better with a Renaissance theme. Number two. There are some games in life that are too uh, luck-based and uh, chaotic. In my fingers again, chaotic. Uh, it's a good word. It's a word you must learn if you are um, new to the board game community. So let's repeat it together. Okay, chaotic. One, two, three. Chaotic. That means that there's uh, too much going on that you don't have control over. It's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's just a factor of the game. So let's say it all together again. Uh, please out loud, at home, in the car, at work, wherever you listen to this. One, two, three. Chaotic. Has your boss just given you a strange look? I'm sure they have. That's okay, though. They don't understand you like I do. Anyway, uh, like I say, luck-based and chaotic isn't a bad thing, if, uh, especially if the game's a short, fun game. But sometimes there are longer games that um, are maybe a bit too chaotic, and so I'm going to let you into one here that uh, you can announce to people they may not have thought of before, and this will, again, help you to look intelligent and will reveal to them truths about this game. So uh, I'd say that um, as you're walking through the convention and find a table with people playing this game, you could stop, look down for a little while, maybe spend five minutes looking at their moves and say, don't you guys think that... Uh, power grid is just a bit too luck based and chaotic and uh, I'm sure as you stand there saying that they will look up with you look up at you with smiles on their faces and will agree because that's what people plan that will tend to do if you make such a comment so number two power grid is far too luck based and chaotic and now number one <laughs> number one I'm going back to my usual uh, stomping ground of, of making wry comments, which is Puerto Rico, uh, the number one game ever, the greatest game ever made in millennia, is uh, Puerto Rico, the greatest game ever. Thousands of years of, of human sort of creation and human discovery and the greatest board game we've ever, ever made in all our time is Puerto Rico. How amazing! It's like a holy grail of games. Um, of course, it suffers from the fact that usually, if you sit to the left of the uh, of the player that's perceived to be the worst, you will generally win. Um, it's the common theme. And my other sort of dislike of the game. I like the game. It's the players I don't like. So I say the game's a fine game. But um, if you if you play with very experienced players, they will um, raise an eyebrow if you don't um, make the perceived a move that helps like, everyone but you just a bit more you see um, so I always say that after 10 plays people should be banned from playing Puerto Rico after that great game everyone should play 10 games for it in their life brilliant game 
as far as that is concerned you know it's a bit dry as far as I'm concerned but that's okay it's a good game uh, but after that you shouldn't be allowed to play it anymore and just let the new people get on and play it themselves anyway if you're playing Puerto Rico and you want to appear intelligent maybe watch a game with some people playing it first watch it very interesting to watch a game and uh, then as they are, you know decide to play again as some people tend to um, you know there's only 3,000 games at the convention you know why do you want to play the same game twice in a row um, games that you play every week at your games club um, as they're playing again ask if you can join in maybe to take the place of someone else that's gone off to play another game um, or whatever I was gone to stand by power grid saying it's too luck based and chaotic because they too have been listening to this podcast uh, take a seat but sit to the left make a point in fact of sitting to the left of the perceived best player on the table the player that knows he's the best the player that knows that he is he is mighty at the game he's played 1400 um, games of this in the last three weeks alone just to make sure he wins every game at the convention that is great I like his determination for it but make sure he's well aware that you're sitting to the left of him and that you make a point of it and if you raise an eyebrow you say uh, say I like a challenge um, you can say what's the fun in winning if there's not a bit of challenge to it it'll help you to come across as as a, as a real a real upper echelon gamer go out your way to sit to the left of the perceived best player look strong look mighty wink at him maybe they look green on your face like <laughs> you're right mate we're in for a good game here and uh, and just let the game proceed and of course if you are truly intelligent you will win of course and then that will that will bring a fine end to your fantastic day at the convention so number one if you are playing PR which is Puerto Rico oh curse me for just reading my notes um, sit to the left of the perceived best player on the table make a point of it and everyone will gasp and exhale and be amazed at you so that is my uh, 10 ways how to look smart at conventions I thoroughly recommend that you try them out of course wear a suit as well wear a tie it's a, a great occasion and you shouldn't go scruffy you should go ready for as if you're going to Royal Ascot a race day maybe a top hat if you can't find a fedora or a bowler that's just fine a, a flower in your buttonhole just make an effort look smart sound smart speak smart dress smart and then you will truly be the bell of the gaming convention ball um um uh, oi do I look like Buddha oh dear ladies and gentlemen boys and girls it appears that negative thoughts have once again uh, entered my happy board game loving it's a uh, it's do I look like Buddha it's a uh, my segment where I look at the games that I've played just once once only and I've decided I'm, oh, I don't really want to play it again I don't have the patience of Buddha yes I shaved my head down to grade 2 I'm looking more like Buddha my my love of sitting under trees is also helping me the fact that animals just flock to me for no reason while a little bit strange when I'm in the shower all these things do make me appear more like Buddha but I am in fact not Buddha my patience is minimal my uh, my happiness factor at times can drop a little bit even here with Hef and the girls and uh, and a few games of uh, 
of water polo earlier. You know, these these things should make me happy, but sometimes things do make me a little bit sad. And uh, games that, through no fault they're unnecessary, just don't ring true with me. And I won't play them again. I've got a lot of games to play in life. We all have, don't we? We have a lot of time um, where we're working or when we're having to fill it with other things. We might have just short times to play games and we don't have the time to try things two or three times if we don't like it. We just can't physically do it and play every game we want. And therefore, the latest Buddha of a game for me is a game introduced to me by uh, my friend Richard. Uh, the theme he got right because it is uh, Japanese and uh, that's always a winner for me. I'm a big fan of Japan. I am in fact going out to live there next year from spring. So if there's any Japanese uh, board games or people living in Japan that play board games, please, please email me at hamsterfury at hotmail.com. That would be great to meet up while I'm over there. Um, plan to be living in Nagoya, a city um, an hour and three quarters south of Tokyo by bullet train. That's where I plan to live. But anyway, um, a Japanese theme, things with samurais in, brilliant. I love the movies of Kurosawa. I love uh, it's a Twitch by Kitano. I'm enthralled about watching Twilight Samurai. Um, stuff like that. Really good films. Beautifully made. And the concept of of Bushido and such things is very interesting to me. Just from a reading point of view, really. Not as a lifestyle. I, I don't scream my name at enemies as I charge at them. Just so that they know who it is that's killed them. Oh, exciting. Anyway, I don't do that in real life. I just read about it and watch it on TV. But anyway, so pick this theme well. There we go, off on a random as usual. Um, but the game itself fell a little bit flat, and it's a shame. The game is Hero Card Rise of the Shogun. It's designed by Alexei Othinin Girard, and I'm sure he's uh, designed many brilliant games. Um, published by Tabletop Game. It's got a user rating on Board Game Geek of 6.7 out of 10. Yeah. From uh, 59 people rating it. That's not bad. That's marginally better than my own cycling game Tour uh, a fine game which I recommend you guys checking out on Board Game Geek type in Tour um, especially since Michael Rasmussen's disgusting forced exit from the Tour which I'm still angry about anyway uh, 6.7 for Hero Card um, plays in about an hour I think it took us just a little bit longer because we're just getting the, to grips with it and uh, the idea is um, you have uh, one of you plays a samurai one of you plays like a a ninja character suit you have your own strengths and weaknesses in your cards and you uh, move around the map and you try to create chains of sort of these uh, peasants to uh, join shrines and that together you explore things and you fight each other to gain control of areas and to attack peasants and you call down gods to help you and uh, demons or whatever and uh, yeah, it's an interesting story interesting tale um, for me, the number one bad thing, well, one of the number one bad things about it is that it could have been the Buddha itself purely because of the evil smell. Oh, the game, it smells. You know, in some games you get a bit of a strange cardboard smell. It smell a bit like they've, uh, during production, as part of the production line, as the little pieces move along the uh, platform, they've got a wet dog to, uh, to jump on a big pile, and they just kind of sit there as they go along the conveyor belt for five minutes or so before jumping off and then going back and jumping on the next batch 
you know, having to peel off the uh, the cards from the dog's underbelly as it goes off. Sometimes they smell a bit like that. Sometimes they smell that someone's done a done a done a bit of a body pop in the uh, in the box before they've closed it, sealed it. This uh, smells like uh, something like a something like a beach ball has melted. They've uh, taken the stench, they've bottled the stench of melted beach ball, and uh, they've pumped it into the box. It's you know, this, the plastic pieces it's got in it are cool. They're nice, nice looking. They're not too brittle. They're not too squidgy. They're sort of a nice middle ground. You can flick them at people and uh, bounce them off the ground just a little bit, and they're quite good fun like that. But they smell bad. They make the box smell awful, and that enough would be enough to make it better. Unfortunately. Um, for me, it also had a problem with the card-based combat. They have a certain number of points for like defense, attack, and uh, sort of attack modifiers that you can play at a time. And so you attack someone and they defend. But instead of then the battle continuing with attack, defend, attack, defend, that kind of finishes, and it's all very uh, short and sharp when it comes to battle. And I know that, uh, that samurai battles were actually very short indeed. They didn't. Go, they weren't like Errol Flynn-style sword fights up and down the stairs for 20 minutes. They were like three, four, five moves, and uh, and two evenly matched men have already, you know, finished their fight with someone dead. There's a great art to it. But you know, this is a this is a style of card playing that has been used in more things than just this game. You know, there's different themes in the series that has the same thing. And for me, that's a problem. I couldn't get into the fights, which I thought such a big thing that the game centred on wasn't deep enough. There wasn't enough to it, and I know the board's kind of an addition because a lot of the other games and series are based on the card fighting, and you can just play the card fighting out of this box, and sort of the board is an add-on. But considering that's central, it's just not developed enough, not enjoyable enough for my liking. And you know, like I say, the, the art's great, the graphics are great, some of the feel of the game is good fun. I just wish that the combat, which is important to it, was just a bit more enjoyable for me. Again, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure lots of you like it. You must do, because uh, let's say 6.73 average rating, that means some of those 59 people on Board Game Geek must have rated it, and you know, there's other people that played it that never go to Board Game Geek that um, probably like it as well. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to slag on it just because I don't like it, but from a personal stance, I'm not a big fan, and I think there's enough games that Richard brings week in, week out, and that I've got on my uh, shelves that we don't really need to play it again and uh, he, he left it with me for weeks so I could have another go to sort of get more of an idea of, it. of course I lost and that's why I hate it really I hate all games that I lose but um, he left it for a week for me to play with Anna my wife <gasps> I just said her name oh dear um, Anna and uh, to play and she just didn't seem interested in it really she just wasn't up for it at all uh, and I've I didn't love it enough to really push it on there when we could play other stuff. So unfortunately, um, Hero Card Rise of the Shogun, quite fittingly I guess, I I can't take a Buddhist view towards you. I am um, instead my Zen is not high enough. So I'm afraid that you are my Buddha of the week. It should be a game. <laughs> Hey, more positive. It should be a game. This is the slot where I look at something within life, or or within video games, or books, 
or whatever that should be made into a board game if I had a if I had a greater game creating mind or I have more clout in this industry I would force people or force myself into making such games uh, so far I've covered such things as Metal Gear Solid it should be a game and I still think it should be a game and I might turn my mind to an unofficial version so I don't want to get my behind sued off by Konami um, so I've had that for Monkey Island should be a game the Eurovision Song Contest of course must be a game come on for the love of Pete it should be a game uh, shopping and Christmas all these things should be a game and uh, this week I'm turning to a sport I'm sorry non-sports fans but here we go I'm turning to a sport that is the true king of sports in Britain for those of you who uh, who live abroad back home in Britain we have a a game that is, a, that is seen above all others it is a gentleman's game it is a game of of finery of beautiful women handsome rugged manly men uh, fine bodies finer fine just overall splendor the, the, the sort of the palaces that they're played in are full of of courtiers packed out with uh, with well wishers sipping the finest drinks smoking the the finest tobaccos that the world could ever know of this game my my good friends is the kingly game of darts or arras as we sometimes call it uh, darts is is very widespread really surprisingly especially in uh, Holland I know hello Dutch listeners hey, we love you I'm looking to come on holiday possibly there next month hopefully there or somewhere in Scandinavia hello Dutch anyway um, they love it in Holland and quite rightly too we love it in England and quite rightly too and there's a few other places I know there's some Canadian players I think there's one or two American players floating around and it's, it's a game that doesn't have true international appeal but you know people quite rightly coming around the idea is you have a board on the wall and you have three darts which you throw at the board and it's got different scores range from 1 to 20 which each have a double so you can double it and that score if you throw in the double or triple so you can triple it so if you uh, throw three triple twenties which is 60 each that's 180 which is the best score you can get and the uh, commentator goes 180 and uh, everyone claps in a very polite manner as, as gentry do and uh, you play down from you start at 501 and you, uh, you're, you take your score off and you have to finish with a with a throw at a double so if you had 28 you'd have to throw a double 14 to go out and then you win that leg and then a set is the best is like the first of three legs and then the game may be like the first of five sets or whatever like that something like that um, the players that play have very good maths because they have to mentally work out all these different um, out shots like how can I take three darts to get down from 142 go now how do I do it and then they'll, they'll do it 147 96 how do I do that as quickly as possible and so on so kudos to them that's trouble 20 double 18 um, kudos to them for that now darts would I'd love to manufacture it into a game you would uh, you would take your character you'd each get a character and you've got a certain amount of time before you have to play the world championships and in that time you've got to develop your your darts players ability by practicing uh, develop his sort of crowd favoritism by time spent at the bar it's good for practicing the aim have you noticed that uh, throwing a dart and uh, 
magnificently drinking a pint is almost the same action and I'm doing it right now throw a dart drink a pint throw a dart drink a pint it is the same arm action though uh, the arm action for drinking a pint would end up with spilling it over you but imagine drinking like the last third of a pint throw a dart drink the last third of a pint throw a dart drink the last third of a pint same action so such things as that you could uh, you could go shopping to buy your finest uh, big baggy shirt with your name emblazoned on the back with your nickname like uh, Luke the Jaguar Morris or Luke the Human Trapeze Morris something like that something show busy and uh, you need your theme music to come out to and then after you've done all this there'll be some cunning way of the actual darts taking place maybe with the playing of cards maybe with, uh, with area control oh I have to move more of my area control into the trouble 20 so I get more of them in the game well, so I don't care. So I'm, you know, someone else can work all the semantics out. They can work out how it plays. I'm, I'm the ideas man. I'm the theme man. And the idea of World Championship Darts board game is a great one, and I'm sure you all agree. So what should be a game this week, of course, is Darts Arrows. Great game, kingly game, game of the game of the lords and ladies of this land. And so Darts should be a game. It got a second chance, got a second chance, got a second, got a second, got a second chance. <laughs> second chance! Well, this is the start of the show where um, I talk praisingly and fantastically about a game that I um, played once, maybe not didn't love it that much, but I played it again and it was good. It got a second chance and it's come out of it well. You know, it's a, it's a rags to riches town, it's a real positive spin. But sadly I haven't played any games um, recently that really should be in this category, so there is got no sec there is no got no second chance this week. So I've come to the end of uh, what I'd actually planned to do this podcast and I failed you all, I'm a seven minutes short of the of the magical hour mark. But instead of just stopping there, I've decided to add something a little bit different and special at the end. I was going to um, berate people who are, who are the naysayers towards the game Tempest, the Martin Wallace game which I've just recently bought, uh, partly with a voucher that uh, my good friend rather brilliantly gave me for being his best man recently. Kudos to him. Uh, I wish him all the best, of course. Um, what a stressful day it was, though, uh, for me. Luckily not for him. Um, Tempest is a great game, but I'm not going to do that now, I'll save that for another time, because uh, as I've said last week, we had our board games day, and I thought it would be remiss of me, it would be wrong, nay, it would be evil of me almost, to not mention a bit more about the games I've played, and uh, I played on that day, uh, just clicking into my list of games I played, two, four, six, I played eight games within that, uh, that 12 hour so, which is not bad, I, I didn't even stop to eat my dinner, I ate my dinner while I played one of those games, how geeky is that I'm very impressed with myself um, anyway I play games so what I'm going to do is I'm going to rate them um, from like my favourite games Molly's favourite Molly's favourite maybe it's my favourite that I played of the day uh, this is very dangerous because one of them is a game that someone actually made and introduced me to uh, but I'm going to rate them and then we'll finish I think it's good that people can get a few more actual short reviews by me for once rather than me just uh, blagging on about nonsense um, so this is not my uh, experience of the game on the day as such but how I feel about the game in general this is the important thing to note okay 
So, uh, out of the two, four, six, eight games I played, I would say my least favourite game so far. I'm sad to say is a game called Lifeboat. Um, it was kind of fun, and uh, I think I oversold it to myself in in my mind. It's one of these games where um, you will take on a on a role. You hate someone and you love someone, and. Uh, your job is try to try and survive in the lifeboat, try and make the person you love survive and the person you hate die overboard. You can feed them to the sharks or the chum or something. And then, as well as that, you've got to try and get jewel get jewels with you um, and money when you're picked up to get extra points. It was going on okay until uh, the captain, who was Richard, um, played a card that meant pretty much everyone died, <laughs> apart from apart from the, apart from the uh, the first mate, which was a uh, Nick. From Shire Games, who brought the game along, um, I, I I laughed throughout basically. It was very, it was entertaining from a from a laughter point, and it's it's kind of it's nearly there. I mean, Rich, we're talking about it's nearly there. There's some really good stuff to it, like the order you have to sit in, sort of down the lifeboat, and how fights work, how you side with people, just purely on you're not forced to. You can choose whether to side with someone in a fight or not. That's great. Uh, it just didn't seem thoroughly playtested enough. For my life, it didn't seem quite tight enough. The fact that we can almost break the game with one card is a bit of a bummer, really. So, uh, Lifeboat comes in number eight. Uh, number seven. This is quite a high standard game, actually. Number seven is Winner's Circle by Chnitzia. Um Two games I played now. One was quite a good one, I didn't really enjoy. The one I didn't really enjoy was at the uh, the convention. Every horse I bet on just just was a nag. I don't know how. They're, they're horses that should win, and yet. All I rolled the whole game were horses' heads on the dice, which is like the movement dice to choose which horse to move. And, oh, that's the most boring one to move, because there's no exciting movements. They're all sort of very average movements. And I never bet on a horse that has... This is a hint for everyone who ever plays me. I don't really bet on a horse that just has very average, because they're all around, but all it takes is one other person to be backing a sort of a, a special horse that's really strong in some areas and weak in others. And for them to roll, them or you to roll one of their sort of special ones, for you to be able to move it on the long way. So I never really bet on the the averagey kind of horses, and generally it comes out all right for me. But this time it didn't. I just rolled horses' heads, so I could never help myself. I couldn't really damage anyone else. And I think I rolled, I must have rolled about, I don't know, twenty dice, and two weren't horses' heads, and that was a bummer. And for me, that's a slight problem with the game. I think I dropped it at rating actually. It's down to seven or six from eight or seven because I quite liked it first time, and uh, it, was, it was okay. And you know, we played it with a lot of people as well. I think with four instead of five or whatever we played in, it's a bit better. So uh, winner circle, I'm afraid you're seventh. Uh, sixth was ooh, category five or six nymphs. I explained it earlier. Good little light game. Won't win any sort of deep. Strategic awards, normally fun. I got hit by Sod's Law, um, but overall it's okay. Hey, Mike, he's going right. Your game's still in the running. Number five is actually probably Mike Hibbert's new game. Now, this, once you've heard the games that are above it, is not a bad place for it to be. It's uh, the game that the guys from the Gamescape have been creating. It's called Dabawala. You play a Sort of a, a curry um, delivery guy um, delivering curries and chapatis around a, a, a generic town or city in India. Um, there's some really great ideas in it. I love the way the 
basically dice are rolled and then you bid on which dice you're going to use but um, if you use a dice with a high number you can move your your guys only a small amount but you can sort of increase your skills by a higher amount or if you pick a dice with a low number you can move your skills by a little amount but you can move your character by a lot and that is a really great balancing it's a great way of doing things there's so much good stuff in that game such as uh, being able to go to closer areas for smaller points or sort of making a long strategy to go further away and I really like it I'm actually bouncing somewhere between a 7 or 8 with it at the moment which for um, a game that still isn't completely finished is good and that is praise indeed and I heartily recommend the game if anyone can get a chance to play Dabawala with uh, with Mike at any conventions or anything do because it's good fun we turned it out in about an hour and a quarter as well and um, it had been suggested it might be an hour and a half to maybe even two hours and the quicker you play it the better it is it creates sort of a sense of getting the food out there you know rattling through it um, don't spend too much time thinking about it because there is sort of um, moving people's squares and if you get bogged down in that you know oh bad news but if you just go through it it's brilliant it's great fun it's, it really works for me and I really liked it so kudos that was number five uh, number four is Hollywood Blockbuster which I like it's a good auction game one of my favourite auction games um, you're creating movies um, I lost I created all like, the early movies and then I got scammed out of everything I am grumpy about that but that's beside the point great experience I love Hollywood Blockbuster which was uh, which was great fun on the day and it's always great fun when I play we played with the full uh, the full five players which uh, which is the first time we've done that and it still worked very well so uh, kudos to that Hollywood Blockbuster number three was Modern Art which I've mentioned before so I went again number two was Samurai my second favourite game ever only behind the Maka Samurai I love Samurai the Knizia game of uh, sort of controlling um, different areas I guess in uh, in Japan that's a very loose theme but um, you play your tiles down to try and uh, win different tokens it's a great game we play it with four I love it with four it's great fun we still have it at decent enough speed and I love Samurai so that's number two and my favourite game that we played at the weekend is uh, just about in my top 10 of best games. It's the World Cup game. We played it at the end. Some people were a bit tired. Um, I got a very interesting mix of teams to try and get to the final of the World Cup. Um, we had the full eight. I wouldn't want to play with any more than eight. Full eight. I drew awful cards most of the way through. Still managed to get two teams through to the second round. Got South Korea right the way through to the final against Costa Rica of all teams. I don't know how that happened. I drew a three goal card. Oh, I win 4 0 in the final. Mighty days. Great way to end the day. The World Cup game. Should always play one game of it over a convention weekend. Great fun. Highly recommended as always, as I always say. So, they were the games I played. And they're the order that I'd recommend them to you, the listener. So, anyway, that's a, my very fast speaking and rambling has taken us over the hour. Mark, so I guess all there is to do is uh, thank you all for listening this far. Congratulations. Round of applause. I know it'll take a bit of uh, practice to get back into listening to my dour tones for this long, but hopefully I want to get some more podcasts out a bit quicker again. So I've had a few people, and thank you to those that have been messaging me saying uh, we want more happy, happy board game loving, and uh, your wish is hopefully my command. We'll have to see. My work is a bit of a pain in the neck with regards to day off and that, that they change all over the place but and it's long days as well but uh, 
I do my best. I wanted to make sure I could get this out before Caster dies. Uh, so there you go. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, if you've got any comments you want to throw at me, or want to attack me with verbal insults, or indeed um, have a better way of saying "Ooh, discovery of the week" than me, then uh, please email me at hamsterfury at hotmail dot com. That's H A M S T E R O F F U R Y. That's all one word at hotmail.com that would be great and I will see you again when I return to merry old England from my good friend Hugh Hefner's Playboy Mansion toodaloo